0: In today's world, many people look to financial advisors for wisdom, direction, and help on how to best manage their money. Hi, this is Pastor Greg. In this series, we will turn to the greatest financial advisor to ever walk this earth, Jesus. It has been said that Jesus spoke about money and possessions more than any other topic. So join us as we explore the best advice about this very important subject. We hope you enjoy. All right. Good morning, West Valley. We all right? It's not raining yet, is it? Okay. Stormwatch 2024, right? I, um, I want to introduce myself. If you don't know me, I'm Rob Denton, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor. And for those of you here, for the first time, welcome. And those of you joining us online, I don't know if you guys know, we have like two to 300 people that are joining us online every week. And uh, when I was out in Samoa, uh, there's pastors and people out in Samoa that are watching. When I was out in Hawaii preaching out there, there were people that came. When I was at the pastor's conference last week, people were coming up to me saying, hey, so just welcome. You know, there's, a, there's those of you here live, but we have a whole other group of people. Amen? So, um, Today, I would like to invite you, uh, if, you if we've not met, and, or maybe you're new to the church today or this, this year, we have a Meet the Pastor right after this service at 1145, um, up, up there, up in heaven. Um, well, hopefully, hopefully not there yet, but that wouldn't be a bad deal. On our second story right here, there's a room called the Sunset Room, and I would love to invite you. Don't say, oh, but I didn't RSVP. That's okay. We, we've made room and plans for you. So I get to share my story. I get to share the church's story, and it's just a good heart-to-heart time for us. So I'd love for you to consider uh, maybe even changing your plans and coming up there and joining us from 1145 uh, to 1245. Amen. So today we start a brand new series and it's called Top Financial Advisor. And um, just let me tell you straight up, we are doing a series on money. How excited are you? And I know some of you are like, I told you that's why I don't go to church. All they do is talk about money. Well, baloney, at least at this church, we don't talk about it enough. And so I know when I was in a hotel room in November, making plans for the first six months. Uh, the Lord just laid it on my heart uh, that we're going to do this, and it's not going to just be a one and done, that we're going to spend three weeks on it. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a bold statement. I don't make these statements often, but I literally believe that if you listen the next three weeks, and not only listen, but you apply, it could change your life. It could change your life. Because here at West Valley Christian Church, our theme this year is Jesus, Jesus. period, amen? Let's say that together, Jesus, period. And so there's all kinds of noise out there in this world and it's always there. And there's a lot of different things that are shouting their opinions and their thoughts on all sorts of topics, but especially this topic of money. It's a hot topic, isn't it, church? And the world wants your money, <laughs> you want the world's money, uh, and, and most of us don't know what to do with it. And so this series, we're going to take a look at what the Bible has to say, specifically what Jesus has to say about this topic of money. Now. You could make it a broad uh, statement of resources, you know, all the things that you have, you know, the house or the car or the boat or the, you know, whatever. And yes, but I'm just gonna not shy away and I'm gonna just keep using this word money, all right? And so I pray that you would open your heart up to what God has to say. And um, I need to open up my heart. Now, here's why I know this is relevant. Now, this is hot off my phone this morning while sitting at Nat's having breakfast. All right, how, let me put it, let me ask you this this way. What percentage of Americans do you think are debt-free? What percentage of Americans do you think are debt-free? Just yell out numbers. Five, 10, 7, point one. <laughs> There's an optimist or a realist. Uh, here's the number. And, and actually, First Service was blown away by this because they gave similar numbers. I think the highest number I heard First Service was 12. And I actually have good news, 23%. Yeah, that's what they said. 23% according, you know, and of course, if it's on the internet, it's true, right? But 23% of Americans are debt-free. It was awesome. I had one of the ladies afterwards go, I was one said, good job. But she goes, it's mainly because of my husband. 23%. So let's flip that number around. That means 77% of us are in debt. So that means three out of four of us in this room, if we go with percentages, are in debt. And so I don't know if that's comforting or not. (laughs) Some of you are elbowing like, we're okay. We're part of normal. We're dead. No. What I want to say is this: that we've we've had bad examples, I think. And I love the topic of money. Um, uh, over the years, many people have been in my office. I've had a few conversations just this week with people asking me about some financial things. I'm not a financial guru by any means but I, I, just, I just think God has really taught me a lot about this, and so I love to help work people through c- certain things, because I think a lot of times, especially when it comes to debt, we're like, oh, I'm never gonna be able to, right? And, and here's the deal. Most of us feel shame in regards to this, but my thing is this, yes, you've made the choices, yes, you've cr- accumulated uh, the, the, the debt, but in fairness, most of us had bad examples. And we're just modeling what was modeled to us, right? We're, we're doing, uh, Dave Ramsey's one of the guys that I like to quote um, when it comes to finances. A uh, Christian uh, guy that uh, has a lot to say about it. Uh, Bill Rose, who's a member of our church, he leads a class and it's gonna happen again this year. Um, financial Peace, and it's a great class. I would always encourage you to do it. But Dave Ramsey, one of his uh, true statements is, act your wage. I like that statement. Well, a matter of fact, let's say that together act your wage like literally most of us are not acting our wage and that's why we're in debt and we feel entitled to the things that everybody else has right so my friend got the new iphone 5000 so i need the iphone someone goes six thousand, <laughs> right and so and so got this so i deserve this. And actually, there's an entitlement, right? It's almost like because somebody else has it, I deserve it. That's a new mindset probably in the last 20 years. But that gets us into trouble. So I want to help you out just a little bit more statistics. Uh, These stats are good. They're real. But I I don't like how they broke out the generations. I'm a generational study guy, and the, the years don't match up. But if you could get past that, this is okay. I'm still working on it. Second service. But Gen Z, they're saying is 18 to 26 year olds. Outside of mortgage debt, push mortgage debt aside, guess how much the average Gen Z is in debt? $15,105. Then the millennials, uh, they say is 27 to 47. Eh, but their average debt, <laughs> they're really good, $29,702. But you know who beats them all? My parents' age, the baby boomers. You guys, you needed everything, and that's why you and your spouse worked for the first time in the history of mankind and latchkey kids, and I'm going to go down a road, and I need therapy, but forget it. Your average debt is $32,190. general Xers, your average debt is $19,203. The, the, the reality is we all need help, and there are all kinds of financial advisors out there, but guess what? The best financial advisor is Jesus Christ, and he don't charge. Let's pray. Father in heaven, let us uh, open our hearts to what you have to say about money. And even if there's a critical spirit within us, I pray against that through the Holy Spirit. Lord, that I would be open to what you have to teach, that we would be open. And God, that this would be um, life-changing for some of us, if not all of us. Thank you. In the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said... Amen. Does anyone know what the sermon title is today? If you look at your bulletin, read, read it out loud. What is it? Ah, Risk management. Risk management. Risk management. That's not a term that many of us use, but some of you, that's all you're consumed with. I know a real good friend of mine, first service, uh, was in here. And I know that's all she does. That's her whole world is risk management. She gets paid money to deal with risk management with millions and millions of dollars. But it's interesting, even though it's a term used in the business world, I want to use that today because I think there are things that we can learn about risk management. Let me give you the definition from the business world. Risk management is an important process because it empowers a business with the necessary tools so that it can adequately identify and deal with potential risks. Did you catch that? Let me read it again. It's really important. Instead of using the word business, though, you put your name in there. Put, put you as a human being. Uh, risk management uh, is an important process because it empowers me with the necessary tools so that it, so that I can adequately identify and deal with potential risk, especially when it comes to this topic of money. And as we look at money, our financial advisor will start off uh, with this idea of risk management. And so uh, again, if you're a business major and you're all into this, just remember I'm a preacher. I'm not pretending to be a financial advisor. I'm not pretending to understand risk management, but I like to dabble in it. I like to have some fun with it. And really part of the process of risk management, the first step from what I've learned is identify. Can you say that with me? Identify. And you're like, identify what? Well, you identify all potential risks and arrange them in order of priority. That's what you do in the business world. So In the context of us as Christ followers or potential Christ followers, or just human beings that are taking up some space on this earth, and we're trying to figure out this topic of money, I think identify is a good first step for us. Identify potential risk and arrange them in the order of priority. You put the high risk at the top, like that's danger, 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 all the way down to the low ones like, ah, this could potentially affect how you deal with money, but it's not most important. Does that make sense? And so I think as Christ followers, we need to figure this out. What is our greatest risk? And I'm going to say this, and you don't have to agree with it. And and I'm going to say, I believe, I believe, it's just me, I believe I got this from Scripture. I believe I got this mindset from Jesus Christ. Because my the way it was modeled to me was totally different on approaching money. And I love my dad when he was here on this earth. But if you know this about me, money is a big testimony, as a part of my testimony and my dad. I mean, literally, my dad worked his tail off. He was genius. He was smart. He was a hard worker. He was a provider. And I don't say this to brag, it's just so you understand. At some point in my life, it was junior high and high school, I lived in a house with a full court tennis court in the backyard with full lights and basketball court. Dad drove a Porsche, mom drove a Cadillac. We were in Villa Park, which is the rich part of Orange County, and Orange County is the rich part of California, yeah? So that's kind of, that, that's, so I, I had it. I had it around me, but, but I saw what it did to my dad, and we lost everything. And in that, I lost my dad, really. And so this is a big topic for me. Uh, that we really have a healthy understanding. Now, here's the the biggest danger. Here's the biggest threat. Ownership. Can you say that with me? Ownership. Now, some of you are going, well, I'll just say it because he said it, but I have zero clue what he's talking about. The greatest threat for us when it comes to money is ownership. Because... I believe most of us think our money is ours. What would you talk about, Pastor? I get up at 4.30 in the morning, and I get ready, and I get in my car, and I drive all the way to downtown LA to beat the traffic, and then on the way home, it takes me two hours, and I do everything I can to provide for my family, and darn it, you're telling me that ain't mine? No, I'm not telling you that. Jesus is telling you that. Now, you know what I want to say? For those of you, that's your story. Praise God you're working. Boy, I have a, I have a whole nother sermon on that stuff. But praise God he has given you health. Praise God he has given you the talents that you have. Praise God that he's given you the job that you have. And praise God that you're dis- disciplined enough to get there and do it to the best of your ability. Amen? God bless America. But I still want to say, if I read this book correctly, ownership is the greatest threat to me mismanaging money. Because when I think it's mine, I'm going to manage it one way. But when I realize it's his, I'll manage it another. What does the Bible say? genesis let's go to the very first book of the bible let's go to the very first chapter of the bible and since we're on a trend let's go to the very first verse in the bible genesis 1 1 it says and let's read this together in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth let's say that again in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth here's what it doesn't say In the beginning, Rob created the heavens and the earth. (laughs) What it doesn't say is in the beginning, you created the heavens and the earth. It's not your world and everybody's living in it. According to scripture, God created the heavens and the earth. And then you go on to Genesis chapter one, verse 31. God saw all that he had made. Who made it? God saw that all Rob Denton had made. No. God saw all that, since I've mentioned your name already, Bill Rose has made. No. God saw all that Pam Banker. No. God saw all that he made, and it was what? Very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. I I emphasize this and overemphasize it because the truth is, you and I, I don't know if you know this, it could be all taken away just like that, just like that. I I saw it before my very eyes at, at actually 17 years old. 17 years old, I solely saw my dad's business go smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where I was in college and I was playing on the tennis team. I came home from practice and there was an ambulance wheeling my dad out of our home. Massive heart attack. Eventually led to manic depression because everything that he knew was provision and providing and and, and financial security. And that all got taken away. My dad lived another, I don't know, 15, 20 years, but he didn't live. Church, hold money loosely. Understand that what you have, you've been blessed with. Have you worked hard for it? Absolutely. But realize it's his. He owns the cattle on a thousand hill. Psalms 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. What does everything translate in Hebrew, which this is written in Hebrew? What's, what's the meaning of this word in Hebrew? Everything? Let me help you. It means everything. The world and all who live in it. Everything is his and one of the things i was thinking about as i was preaching first service i hadn't thought about this but i'm like oh my gosh wait a second i'm a parent i have two two children one's (laughs) 30 years old and one's 16 and and i have a granddaughter but i remember when drew and easton uh, were at the ages between two and four do you know where i'm going two and four years old you guys remember mine no my granddaughter, who's almost three, is really good at that right now. Mine, no, she'll tell her uncle Easton off. I will go home after all the, the meetings I have today and she'll be running around the house and she owns my 16-year-old, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, mine, but I remember when my boys were like that at that age, not most two to four-year-olds. We're kind of, for something, it's innate in us. No, mine. But think about this. Um, fair warning, Easton, my 6 year old he's got a license. It's not a permit. It is a license. It's like he's out there by himself, and uh, he's actually a great driver. And even like yesterday, um, uh, he says, Dad, uh, can I borrow the truck? I want to go uh, work out. And I said, uh, 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 or the car, he, his mom's car. Absolutely, go. If he were to come home after working out and pull in the driveway, and there was a big dent in there. Now, we understand accidents happen. But there's a dent there. And then, and then uh, in the front seat, he's just got this big old bag. I don't know why he would work out and do this, but go to Chick-fil-A and just trash all over the, the car. And, and then he got the steering wheel with ketchup, or no, Chick-fil-A sauce, you know, is on the steering wheel. And he just, he just it, it was full when he left, and, and it was empty. Like, do you think my wife or I would be like the next time he asked to borrow that car, I'd be like, yeah, sure, right? You understand where I'm going with this? Like I expect when I give my son that car or I loan a lawnmower to somebody or a tool or whatever it is, that they're gonna respect me enough and respect that item enough and, and take care of it enough as if it was theirs or better than if it was theirs. You make sense? And so if I'm a human being as a father expecting that from my children, why would God be any different? Does that make sense? Everything that God has given us is because he loves us. It's because he trusts us. It's because he's assuming we respect him, and then we're going to respect him by taking care of that which he's given us, and specifically money. So ownership is the greatest threat to our view of money mine 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 all mine is high risk thinking luke 18 verse 18. jesus is going to tell this story a certain ruler asked him good teacher what must i do to inherit eternal life why do you call me good jesus answered no one is good except god alone you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, nor should you commit murder, nor should you steal or give false testimony or honor your father and your mother. The guy thought about it. And he's like, you know what? I'm good. Check, check, check. All these I have kept since I was a boy. He's like waiting for Jesus to pat him on the back, give him a sticker, give him a trophy. Good boy. Good rich boy. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Are you kidding me? Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then you could come follow me. When he heard this, he became what? Say it with a sad voice. He became what? Sad. Because he was very wealthy. Now there's a lot in there. And the one thing I wanna make sure, I'm not even sure I said this first service, wealth is not evil. And, 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 and I believe if, if, if Susie Q or Joe Schmo came up after, I don't think Jesus is having the same conversation. Because if you look at the story This man was a good Jew. He was a good follower of the law, 613 laws. He knew them. He obeyed them. He was a good person. But Jesus didn't commend him for being a good person because the Old Testament was all about obedience and following rules and laws and making sure that you don't step over the line. You can get close to that line, but don't step over it, right? That was the Old Testament, the New Testament. Jesus said, I I came to fulfill the law. I came to fulfill, it's done. We have a new law, a new covenant, a New Testament. And it's not about being good, quote unquote. Of course he wants us to do good things. He wants us to be righteous. He wants us to be godly. He wants us to do things that are gonna give us a rich and full life, amen? So the do's and don'ts for today are so that we can have the best experience here on this light on this earth. But Jesus was not impressed by all the obedience he had because he knew the man's heart. Are you with me? And that's why Q, he might have said something different. And, 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 and Joe over here, he would have said something different because we all as humans have different struggles, don't we? And Jesus knows our heart because that's what the New Testament's about. It's about our heart. So we can be a good person. There's a lot of good people on this earth that don't know Jesus, that are very good moral people. It's not just about being quote unquote good, but it's where's your heart? And he looked at this man, knew that wealth had his heart. He knew that this man, he had probably worked hard, he had accumulated much, and he was was holding on to this. And because Jesus loved him, I'm sure he commended him and said, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that you've not committed these sins. But man, you need to go sell everything. And this made the guy what? Sad. Because he couldn't comprehend that. He couldn't comprehend that now please hear this jesus is not asking us to go sell everything now there may be someone in this room that he's asking that of but what he wants is our heart he wants us to understand who's in charge and what was getting in the way of that with this man was his wealth his wealth was preventing him from seeing jesus the way that he needed to be seen. Does this make sense, church? So money and wealth is not evil. Oh, but pastor, it is. As a matter of fact, I had someone just this week misquote scripture. And they're like, oh, but (laughs) the love of money is the root of all evil. It's in the Bible, pastor. No, it's not. Let's read together what the Bible says. 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is what? is a root, not the root, a root of all kinds of evil. You see the difference there? So what, what I understand when I look into this and the Jesus is not reading into the scripture what I think it says, but pulling out of scripture, which is exegesis of what it says. And this says to me that you gotta pay attention to how you see money, but money's not evil in and of itself. It could be evil. Just like this tongue, it could be good and it could be bad. Just like these eyes, they could be good and they could be bad. Just like my words, they could be good and they could be bad. Are you with me? Just like relationships, they could be good, they could be bad. So it's, what we, what, it's where our heart is. And so that's why I'm pounding this, because this is a foundation for this three-week series, is that we understand ownership. Now, you could say, screw it. Well, that's up to you. But what I want to tell you is I'm presenting what I believe God's word says, and God's word says he owns it all. So that's why in risk management, the greatest threat is ownership. We need to remember or learn for the first time who owns what. His wealth became his identity, his comfort, and his God. And he was sad because Jesus was saying that's what's in the way of us. Jesus knew this about this man. Again, wealth was not the issue. It was ownership that was the problem. If you go to Luke nine twenty three, Luke 9, 23 through 26, and I want you to think about this question, who or what has your heart? Who or what has your heart? Jesus, in Luke 23, it says, then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple, or whoever wants to be a Christian, whoever wants to be a Christ follower, must what? They must deny themselves. Secondly, take up their cross daily. And lastly, then follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will what? They're going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will what? Save it. What? This is a great question. (laughs) Jesus, like, thank you, Rob what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self how many of us are working so hard to have the biggest toys and the best toys and the newest toys oh but pastor i'm doing it for my children let's be honest no you're doing it for yourself and secondly if for some reason you really are doing it for your children you're not modeling anything good pastor, are you not saying you should have stuff? Lego sets, trading cards, boat, RV, car, house? No, I'm not saying any of that. All that stuff could be good. But if we're doing that at the expense of having to have a second job and taking time away from our family, yes, there's a problem. If we're doing it, because we're just going to keep swiping that card that isn't painful, is it painful for anyone to tap the card? They've even made, it used to be like, at least you had to swipe before. You used to have to do this. Now it's just tap.? right? Do you notice what's happening? It's just getting easier and easier. Now you're just going to have to wink at it, and all of a sudden, you know, there goes another 100. "Oh, there's another uh-uh <laughs> pop, um uh-uh, uh uh-uh, right. I mean, you know, back in the day, you remember this? Back in the day, you would pull out this thing called a wallet and then you have to open it, and, and your wallet told you whether you could buy that thing or not. Because if there was no cash in there, there's no product. Now, it, it's not painful to, dot, dot. Now you're like, oh, that $100 bill, or that, back in the day, the $20 bill, right? It's like, oh my gosh, I'd go to the gas station, I'm making myself sound really old. i go to the gas station to fill up my 67 Mustang, and literally, it would almost cost me $10 to fill that thing. And I was like, ah, oh, my $20 is supposed to be for two weeks. Now I'm lucky if I could get breakfast at Nat's with a tip for 20 bucks. Are you with me? I'm kind of getting off here a little bit, but you understand, don't you? You understand what we're talking about. This is real. So stuff is not bad, but if we're having to get into debt and we're promoting all this stuff, I've been fortunate, both my kids, Literally, we would go to toy stores. We'd go to Target, this and that. They would never ask for stuff. Like, there's times where I'd be like, Easton, pick a toy out. Eh. You go to Disneyland, and I see kids crying all the time. I want this. I want that. I'd be like, Easton, Drew, you want that? Eh. I'm blessed. Now, I understand that's not the normal, right? But, man, we just keep feeding this, feeding this, feeding this, and then that's what they learn. So when they grow up, they're going to do what for their kids? This, 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 this. Well, first we have to look at 9, Luke nine twenty three. Jesus said to him, "Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up his cross daily, follow me. For whoever wants to lose his life will lose it." Then he says again, like I said, it's so good. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world? Here's where the rubber meets the road. Church, are you in or are you out? Jesus is saying. Now, are you a fan or are you a follower? Am I the owner? am I the Lord or are you? We don't talk much about kings and kingdoms. It's not part of our culture. If you go to England, England, you know, you got all that talk out there, prince, king, queen, all that. So we don't even understand the term Lord, but Lord King has a territory and everything in that territory is the King, the Lord's and all the servants are, 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 are under the Lord. And so this talk of Lordship, when we say yes to Jesus We are saying yes to him being our Lord, that he is in charge of our territory. Did you catch that? And our territory includes our money. Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Lord, the Greek word is curious and and it means master or owner or one who has control that's Lord. And I ask you, have you made Jesus Lord? Not when I was 12 years old or six years old, because to make him Lord at 12 and six is a lot different to make him Lord at 30, 50, 60, 80, because we need to make this decision every day, the Bible says. We just read that in Luke 9, 23. Take up your cross daily. So yes, (laughs) making him Lord at six. Okay, you got all my baseball cards, God. (laughs) you got my star wars figures and my legos and my really cool bike diamond backed by the way but then when i'm 55 it's you have my car my truck my kids my grandkids my wife my house my baseball cards right it's all his does that make sense Have you made Jesus Lord? Now, this is one of the most exciting, freeing things. Like some of you are like, ah, no, this is exciting. This could really change your life and it could change your children's life because we learn from our parents all sorts of things and how to handle money is one of the biggest ones. And, and maybe up to this point, you've done a bad job and you could just w- let your kids know we are changing and we're going to be debt-free. And I want to tell you that you can be debt-free in 2024. Did you know that? If you continue to do it your way, I don't know if you have hope, but if you continue to do it God's way, you have hope. The Dentons many years ago, we didn't accumulate a lot of debt, but we were literally paycheck to paycheck for most of our marriage. Literally paycheck to paycheck, especially when Drew was born. I mean, it was, it was bad. And we weren't we didn't spend frivolously or anything we just did it just to make it by which a lot of you understand that but then we got to this point and then and you know drew's older and then we have easton and and, and, and there was a point about seven years ago i said lisa we need to get savings. I, I, I don't even know how we're gonna do it, but we, need to, we don't have savings and we need to do savings and we need, to, we need to get ahead of this game and we need to get rid of any credit cards we have and yada, yada, yada. And I wanna tell you that with that motivation and with God helping us and doing it God's way, I wanna tell you that literally the only debt that we have today is our mortgage. Like no credit card debts and we don't owe nobody nothing. And that's not because of Rob Denton and Lisa. It's because of God. And it's because God's way. And we understand that we need to act our wage and do things God's way. You could do it. Well, the last two things are going like this fast. Write this down. First, inventory. Then then a risk management person assesses the risk. They, They put it in order and then they assess the risk and locate the cause of the risk. And we've done that we've located the cause of the risk. It's pride itself. It's bad thinking of who owns what. King Tut was buried with treasures. Did you know that? And I looked it up and and again, I I thought I was exaggerating what I remember, but it's true. When they found, and it was the greatest archeological find of all time, they say was King Tut's tomb. There was over 5,000 priceless treasures buried with him. Amongst it, hundreds of pairs of shoes. What are you gonna do with shoes when you're dead? And if you think that you're gonna come back and be reincarnated, well, tough luck for King Tut because when he goes back to his tomb, all that stuff's over in a museum. Church, it's not who dies with the most toys wins. It's about seeing what God has done and what he's blessed us with the money and doing the best we can, being the best stewards. And that's what we're gonna talk about the next two weeks. The best stewards, which leads to the last point, manage well. You see, lordship leads to ownership, which leads to stewardship. And stewardship's where we land today. We get whatever God has blessed us with, we get to borrow it and we get to use it. We get to manage it. How cool is that? How cool is that? I am a steward of his money. What an awesome privilege. So I close with this. Tithing. You know, at churches, they say, oh, 10% tithe. That's the place where you start. It's an Old Testament principle. Then anything, God went from the, 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 the don't do this and do this part to the heart. And so we say the scripture teaches tithing is really where you begin, 10%. And then you could grow from that. Like some of us think we just arrived at that. But here's, here's what I want to tell you. And I want to give this deal to you guys. Any of you that want to give me anything, especially money, I have no problem with that. And you put a condition on it of saying, Rob, I'm going to give you this money, but you got to give me 10% back. I will take that deal every day of the week. And as a financial advisor for you today, you should always take that deal. <laughs> if someone wants to give you $1,000 and they only want $100 back, take that deal. Double down. No. But you see what I'm saying? Isn't that what God's done with us? He's given us everything that we have. And all he said with the tithe is 10%. 10%. Now, I'm gonna even go as far as to say this. I believe that's the easy part. And I've, I've said it before unashamedly. That's the second biggest check we write. Mortgage is the biggest check. Tithe check's the second biggest. Because we don't have a bunch of debt. You know what's harder than the 10%? Storting the other 90%. That's the hard part because he takes care of that 10. Now I'm still left with 90 and I got to honor God with that. That's a little cliffhanger for you for next week. I hope you've been encouraged a little bit about money today. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Whatever's true, keep it in our hearts. Whatever's a bunch of baloney, let it just go to the wayside. Thank you for challenging us. Thank you for affirming us. Thank you for helping us understand a little bit more about what Jesus thinks about money. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Remember, Lord, your tender mercies And your love that you've always shown